Welcome to the first episode of season two of The Context. Last year, we covered a lot of different topics and I am very excited to restart this year and make sure that uh, I cover both things that uh, pique my curiosity as well as to collect from you uh, the input and the questions that uh, will lead our joint exploration of the world around us, achieving a better understanding of why certain things happen, what can we do about them, where are things going in their complex, dynamic evolution in our society and civilization. Today, I am going to talk about our data, mainly the digital wealth that we create just by merely existing in today's society. We own this data, we know that, but we must act in order to assert this ownership and we must force the various platforms and technologies uh, that uh, practically store this data to provide it to us and then we must be able to make good use of the data that uh, we receive in that way. Of course this is a many-fold process. On one hand we have to back up our data stored in our local machines and, and devices. And uh, we are accustomed at uh, doing backups on external hard drives of the content of our notebook, for example. And in that case, it is rather important to make sure that the hard disk itself is not the only backup that we have because those hard disks uh, especially consumer grade hard disks that uh, we uh, buy for a hundred euro or a hundred dollars uh, or little more tend uh, to get corrupted you cannot store them and pretend that um, five or ten years later you will be able to actually use them and and uh, uh, get access to the data that you thought was usefully backed up. You have to keep multiple backups in different locations. So, for example, you can complement an external hard disk's offline backup with an online backup, where you store your data uh, with a professional service that maybe you pay on a monthly or a yearly basis. One of the key issues, of course, uh, is how do you deal with the data that is stored in the various platforms that you use probably daily? What do we do with the data in Facebook and Google and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and in many other uh, platforms. Well, the law is on your side. Spearheaded by the European GDPR legislation, the platform providers 
are legally obliged to respond to your request to be able to download your data. And just recently, the California Consumer Privacy Act, itself inspired by the GDPR, extended this requirement further uh, to people who are not uh, resident uh, in the EU. And pretty soon, it is going to be easier for every and any platform to comply with these regulations rather than serve different people with different uh, features. So you should be able to expect, if not already the case, very soon that regardless of where you are, you will be able to download your data uh, and uh, get access to it in your local machine. Each service uh, has a, a different mechanism, but typically uh, in the area of your uh, own account, sometimes bundled under a section regarding privacy, you can find the link where you request your data. The reason for this is because the process, even though it's automatic, typically requires some time from a few minutes to several hours or even days. And then the service will alert you that uh, there is a link. Uh, in most of the cases, the link actually expires. So there is a link available for the next two, three days uh, where you can click and finally download your data on your local machine. Then what you are downloading by law should be everything that uh, the service stores about you. According, of course, to their definition. So, for example, today Facebook um, provides you with a quite uh, extensive range of uh, pieces of data. Uh, not only everything you posted on your own newsfeed, on your own wall, but uh, every, uh, everything you posted uh, on groups or comments that you made. Of course, including photos and videos. In my case, uh, the uh, total amount of data that I downloaded just a few days ago from Facebook is over six gigabytes. So quite uh, an amount, but it actually pales compared to what I downloaded from Google, which is over 800 gigabytes uh, of, of data. And uh, actually in Google, in a, a more sophisticated manner, you can select what service you want uh, to download the data from. In my case, if I exclude YouTube and, uh, and mail, the data um, immediately becomes a much more manageable, um, still quite large, uh, a few tens of gigabytes of data rather than hundreds of gigabytes of data. Um, sorry, I also exclude not only YouTube and uh, mail, but also uh, Google Drive itself, right? Now, what do you do with the data that you downloaded from an online platform? Well, you can hopefully browse it. So you can access it in your local machine in a form that is useful for you uh, to go through the things that you posted. 
Um, for example, I was able to uh, find in Twitter uh, what was the first time that I uh, publicly tweeted about uh, Bitcoin in uh, 2011. And uh, these are things that can uh, be quite uh, interesting or maybe even important in terms of uh, managing your, your archive of digital memories. But another reason why you may uh, want to download your data is in order to upload it to another service. And in that case, of course, not only you want uh, a format that can be usefully browsed by a person, uh, by you yourself, but you want a format that can be understood easily by machines so that when uh, you provide the data uh, to the new service you want to adopt, uh, it is interpreted cor correctly. So for example, uh, if you want to move uh, your photos from a given uh, uh, storage, let's say Flickr, uh, to another one, let's say Google Photos, you should be able to, to do that uh, in a smooth way. And the platform providers understand this use case to the point that not only they are now individually providing these uh, download links uh, based on the privacy requirements, but actually many of them, not only the ones that I listed, but uh, even those that live in kind of a, an, an isolation like, like Apple are participating in a project called the Data Transfer Project that aims to enable this kind of migration of data in a more transparent and accountable manner where you wouldn't even need to download the data on, on, on your own machines, but they could flow under your control from one service to another. Now, this is the key part because theoretical ownership is one thing, but practical ability to act on the data is what actually matters. Restoring is the real test. For example, if a business has daily or hourly backups, but when there is an emergency, it cannot restore the data in a useful and timely fashion in order to restart all of the various processes that it needs in order to function, it is a big problem. After Hurricane Katrina, it was measured that those businesses that were unable to restore their data within 24, 48 hours were twice as likely to go bankrupt than those that were able to do that promptly and reliably. So you do need to test your backups, both offline backups as well as the data that uh, you downloaded from uh, uh, the other uh, platforms. And this is the key to mention another challenge, maybe an important next step in the fight from consumers and individuals 
versus the platforms uh, that uh, uh, we use because not only the data matters, but when we are talking about the format uh, of how the data is stored and uh, whether we can not only download, but also restore the data, actually what we are talking about is metadata, data about the data. As an example, we mentioned photos before. If there is an online platform that allows you to edit your photos, when you downloaded your photos from that online platform, are you going to get back the raw photos that you originally uploaded? Or are you also going to be given the photos that you edited and as a consequence improved upon with your efforts using the features of the platform. In the case of YouTube, that is not what happens. When you download the uh, videos from YouTube, what you get back is exactly what you uploaded. Whatever you did uh, in the meantime is going to be locked in the platform. YouTube believes that you should not be uh, given the ability of collecting the result of your efforts of editing your videos or changing your videos in any way on, on their platform. There is even worse. Some platforms um, give you what they believe are the original uh, pieces of, of data that you uploaded, but that is not the case at all. Shutterfly enables you to store your photos online and then create t-shirts or mugs or whatever else with them, as well as to browse them uh, in um, a convenient manner chronologically or by tags and, and so on. Very um, standard features of online photo storage platforms uh, as of today. However, not only their download process only gives you 500 photos at a time, and you know, I store literally hundreds of thousands of photos online, so for me that kind of process is totally impractical, but actually the photos that you get back are totally stripped of all the metadata. You shot them in August 15 at 3 p.m. in New York or on the beach, wherever on the seaside. Well, the photo that you get back has no collection, no record of that data, even though the original one had the date, time, location, as well as many other pieces of data with respect of the technical details of the, of the photo recorded, the file that uh, you download from uh, Shutterfly is completely stripped of, of all of this, which is, of course, totally uh, unacceptable. And the value that you get from correlating different pieces of data is going to be quite large. And there will be very interesting questions to be asked about where 
the reasonable expectation of your ability to get that value as you download your data stops with the platform reasonably claiming that your desire to have a local copy or even worse from their point of view your desire to move um, to another alternative platform doesn't necessarily need to be supported by that layer of the metadata that the first platform makes available. Now, the beauty of our increasingly digital civilization, of course, is how rapidly we can develop uh, new features, new platforms, new kinds of thinking around what gives us value and how can we become more efficient. As this digitization permeates not only our individual lives, but uh, the way we learn, schools, communities, the way we conduct business, uh, both within an organization as well as between organizations, we can think about a more generalized question. What are the digital processes that we can and should be backing up and restoring? The relationships that are formalized in supply chains, communities, and why their rich ecosystem of interactions expresses a healthy relationship among individuals and how they can nurture the commons on which so much of our society depends. Can we analyze, understand and back up our entire human civilization? For example, in order to create a better resilience against even the greatest upheavals that would destroy a civilization in the past, or in order to be able and build the ability to multiply the restore points in other planets. There are a lot of implicit pieces of knowledge that we can less and less afford to leave in that state. There are famous examples of expert knowledge that is lost uh, because people get old, retire, and then die. Whether it is a mainframe system running a bank that still has code from 20, 30, 40 years ago, and there is a bug that is almost impossible to correct, or whether uh, it is our ability to design and to run spacecraft that reached the moon and brought people back safely, but those who designed and were able to manage these spacecraft are not around anymore, and the knowledge that was 
um, dynamically implemented is not sufficiently available in a manner that allows us to apply it to uh, future missions. And then, but uh, I will leave that uh, for a separate dedicated episode of the context, of course, the most fascinating challenge. Can we back up and restore our own consciousness? And if we can, what are the implications? As much as it looks like this is pure science fiction, there are people working on this very task as we speak. And as it is the case, they are achieving results at an accelerating pace, or even if you watched the episode about jolting technologies, their results have an increasing rate of acceleration. So we have to think about what are going to be the implications of human consciousness being backed up and being restored. Talk about metadata, talk about platforms locking you in. We have better get it right because getting it wrong is going to be a big problem. Thank you very much for following episode one of season two of The Context. I am very grateful for uh, your attention, curiosity. As I go around and speak at conferences, a lot of people come to me and express the fact that they do enjoy uh, watching The Context, which uh, is, is a great feedback for me. It uh, allows me to, to keep going and I am looking forward uh, to meet you in episode two of season two next week.